I want to ask a question uh, and have a raise of hands. So raise of hands if you have a smartphone. Have a smartphone, raise your hands, or a tablet or something like that. Okay, yeah, so that's about 97.4%. Uh, raise your hands if you use social media or gaming apps or different things like that. So that's probably about 86.4% uh, is what that looked like. I want to read from several articles here uh, just to set the stage for the message today. This is an uh, article from The Guardian. Uh, it's from an ex-Facebook president, Sean Parker, uh, highlighting how some of these things exploit human vulnerabilities. This article was also uh, mentioned in Mr. Weston's article, Tame the Social Media Monster, uh, in the Tomorrow's World magazine. So Parker described in the er how in the early days of Facebook, people would tell him they weren't on social media because they valued their life, real-life interactions. They said, well, I'm not going to use social media because I value my real-life interactions. And he would say, okay, you know what? One day you will be. I don't know, he said, I, I don't know if I really understood the consequences of what I was saying. He added, pointing to unintended consequences that arise when a network grows to more than two billion users. It literally, he continues, it literally changes your relationship with society with each, and with each other. It probably interferes with productivity in weird ways. And who knows what it's doing to our children's brains. I think we all knew in the back of our minds, he said. I think in the deep recesses of our minds, we knew, uh, in the back, I'm sorry, in the deep recesses of our minds, we kind of knew something bad could happen. I'll read from another article. This is from Science in the News about dopamine, smartphones, and you, a battle for your time. This is uh, from, quoting from a vice president of uh, uh, user growth at Facebook. Uh, let's see if I can get the name right. His name is uh, Chamath Palahapati. Chamath Palahapati. Something like that, at least. He says, I feel tremendous guilt. He was responding to a question about his involvement in exploiting consumer behavior. He said, the short-term dopamine-driven feedback loops we have created are ripping apart the social fabric of how society works. And this is from another uh, article. This is from a former Google executive. Uh, he's highlighting the difference between TikTok in the U.S. and TikTok in China. His name is Tristan Harris, a former Google executive, has spoken up about big tech's algorithms and practices and advocates for uh, transparency and reform among the major players like Google, Apple, Facebook, and others. In a 60 Minutes interview, he pointed to a survey of preteens in the U.S. and in China, asking, what is the most asp aspirational career you want to have? In the U.S., the number one answer was social media influencer. And in China, the number one uh, answer was an astronaut. You know, what, what do you need to accomplish to be a social media influencer? What do you need to accomplish educationally to become an astronaut? He highlighted that the social media platform TikTok he said, uh, if, if you're under 14 years old in China, they show you science experiments you can perform at home, museum exhibits, patriotism videos, and educational videos. And children in China are limited up to only 40 minutes per day on the app. It's almost like ByteDance, that's the owner of TikTok, the company that owns TikTok. It's almost like ByteDance recognizes that technology is influencing kids' development and they make their domestic version a spinach TikTok while they ship the opium version to the rest of the world. 
He continued, you allow these two societies to play out for a few generations, and I can tell you what our world is going to look like. We can see that our nation and the Western nations are headed to the slaughter, really, with blinders on. It is sad to witness, you know, but as God's people, we don't need to be a part of it. We should not be a part of it. The comments I just read are all before AI has come on the scene. Today we'll be discussing the use of smartphones and the apps associated with them. But first, I want to mention that I am not against smartphones. I, I have one right here. I love it. It's my friend. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I am not here to bash cell phones, smartphones, social media apps, uh, gaming apps, and so forth. Uh, exactly. I'm not here to do that exactly. I just want to highlight and bring into the open and to the top of the mind some of the areas of awareness about social media, games, and, and smartphones. Being aware of the traps and understanding what's behind them is a powerful tool to avoid unnecessary heartache and pitfalls. You know, smartphones have been around for about 20 years or so. They, uh, Blackberry first came out, I think, in 2003, and the iPhone uh, in 2007 or so. You know, some of what you'll hear is just, it's not new. Again, this is about bringing to the top of the mind and us being aware of some of the, the traps that there are to, to fall into. Because these things sneak up on you if you're not purposefully and intentionally on guard against them. And this is talking about you know, us in control versus being manipulated by a society that's run by Satan the devil. So in today's sermon, we'll highlight three critical concerns to watch for with smartphones. And again, I mentioned when I say smartphones, I mean the host of apps that comes with them, uh, including social media as well as gaming apps, other, other various apps. And then we'll explore potential solutions to address these issues. So the three areas that we'll examine today, and there, there are others, but we'll examine these two, or these three. And the first two I'll mention, uh, and I'll mention just in a bit as well, that, that they're really for those who are younger, those who are maybe under uh, 18 years old, but it could go as high as, let's say, 25 and under. And then the third one applies more directly to all of us. The first that we'll highlight is social media trends and challenges social media trends and challenges. The second we'll examine is the online predators. And the third that we'll examine are the, is the addictive nature of smartphones and apps. Again, we'll spend a little less time on the first two points. I actually thought about not including them in here, but I, I think a talk about this requires them being in, uh, in this message. They do apply to the, more directly to the younger crowd, again, 18 and, and under, maybe 25 and under. But I think what's also valuable is for parents to be aware of these things as well so that you can be uh, helpful and, and actually grandparents as well. And then we'll spend the most time on the, on the third point, the third point of the addictive nature, which is far more over, overreaching and uh, bleeds into the first two points. Uh, and applies more directly, again, to all, all of us, really. And then finally, we'll explore the, some solutions. So first, let's turn to Proverbs 2. So in setting the stage here, Proverbs 2. And, you know, when we read Proverbs 2, we, we generally would think about it uh, very explicitly in regard to what it's talking about in Proverbs 2, which was about a young man and, uh, you know, the 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 foolishness of getting involved with an immoral woman, this type of thing. But there's a principle here that I want to highlight in regard specifically to smartphones and the apps and everything involved with that. 
So we can start in verse 10. Proverbs 2, starting in verse 10. It says, When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion will preserve you. Understanding will keep you. Even just having the knowledge of what we'll discuss today is a powerful tool to fight the deceptive nature of these things. And it is deceptive. But knowledge is really the first key to being able to fight this. Continuing on, verse 12, to deliver you from the evil way, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perversities of the wicked. So that knowledge and being able to, to fight against that helps avoid these things. Whose ways are crooked, it continues, verse 15, and who are devious in their paths, verse 16, to deliver you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. Again, this is talking explicitly about a young man dealing with an immoral woman. But there's a principle here. And the principle is that things that lead to death and pain and hurt and suffering often are covered with something that looks really good. And it's difficult. If you're not aware, it's difficult to, uh, to even be aware of that. So we're not uh, even addressing here the issue of pornography. Rather, it's a principle, again, that is sometimes things you need to be on guard against the most look good and tempting and are attractive to the simple person who can't see beyond the surface. And as God's people, we should be able to. We need to be able to. Continuing verse 17, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets uh, the covenant of her God, for her house leads down to death and her paths to the dead. None who go to her return, nor do they regain the paths of life. Verse 20, so you may walk in the way of goodness and keep to the paths of righteousness. So again, thinking about that principle as we touch on these uh, three areas of concern. So the first area of concern to watch for are the social media trends and challenges. And again, I, I don't think that uh, a lot of us are getting involved in that, but awareness is key, a key to being able to help others, help the young people, help ch our children. And if you're a child and you use, if you're somewhere under the age of, let's say, 18, and you use social media, you use uh, electronic devices like this, these things are, are very real. So some of the top challenges uh, that we might say are harmless challenges, I'll mention just a few of them right here. There's lots and lots of these kind of with their just challenges. So basically you're on social media and people are doing these um, just silly activities, you might say, and then others follow along and then they do that. One is the doodle challenge. The doodle challenge is just uh, drawing a picture with a piece of paper on somebody's back and then they try to draw the picture that the other person is drawing on their back. Ha 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 ha, funny. It's, it is, it's funny and it's fun, I'm sure, and all of that. It's not a problem in that way, just that's one of the harmless challenges. Another uh, is uh, what's called the don't rush challenge, the wipe it down challenge, the beauty mode challenge. That is a person on social media is dressed down in maybe their pajamas or something like that. And then, uh, and then they, they do something, cover the camera, and then boom, oh, they're all good looking and everything like that. So that's another one. They're glammed up. Another is the patience challenge. Again, these are the kind of harmless ones. Patience challenge. That is, uh, parents will put a bowl of candy in front of their little children, maybe three years old, two, three, four years old. And, you know, this could be funny to watch, but uh, they, they put the bowl in front of their kid and then they say, okay, now don't touch the bowl of candy. And then they leave the room, they keep the camera uh, on the child and watch what the child does. You know, the child's, you know, suffering. Oh, should I do it? Should I not do it? And they won't know if I just take one, and then they take one. There's the ice bucket challenge, arguably, whether that's um, dangerous or not, you know, that, that type of thing. And there's a host of dance challenges as well, uh, you know, do some type of dance. I would do it for you, but we're not going to do that. 
And then there are some of the most dangerous challenges that have trended over the last few years. I'm just going to list off a few of them, and I'll explain maybe roughly a, a couple of them or as we go through. So the backcracking challenge, that's where uh, something like you, you get on something like this and you kind of do this and, or have somebody crack your back and uh, not a good thing. It could lead to problems. The coronavirus challenge, that was when uh, COVID was going around and, uh, and people would lick the bar on a subway handle, you know, to kind of um, see if they would get COVID or whatever. That's really cool. You know, you can, uh, you can videotape that and get a lot of views, right? Okay. The full face wax challenge. Cover your face with, uh, with wax and then rip it off your face. The duct tape challenge. That's duct your, tape yourself and then rip it all off. The milk crate challenge. That's uh, stack a bunch of milk crates and see how high you can get, you know, before you fall or, or whatever. The kiki challenge that is jumping out of cars while they're moving. The skull breaker challenge that is holding uh, two friends, two friends, holding uh, the person in the middle um, and then have them jump and then kick their feet from out of them and then they, they hit the ground. The hot water challenge that is poor uh, very hot water on people who aren't aware that you're about to pour, pour it on them. The Tide Pod Challenge, that is eat the, tod, the Tide Pod. The Benadryl Challenge, that is uh, drink as much Benadryl as you can without uh, dying. The Fire Challenge, that is what it sounds like. Set yourself on fire and video and record that. The Cha-Cha Sliding drive challenge. Basically, I hope nobody's going to, I hope they're going to stop for me while, you know, on a two-lane road. The car surfing challenge, that is what it sounds like. And the blackout challenge, which was listed as number one here. Uh, that, is, that, that is basically suffocate yourself to the point that um, uh, you, just before you pass out and then let it go. And which has, has led to death in the past as well. I want to highlight, so just mentioning again some of these challenges and, and trends. Uh, this is from a research paper that was written, uh, Psychology and Behavioral Management uh, Research Paper about TikTok's uh, Tourette's uh, uh, situation that, that was happening. Um, I should say, let's see, TikTok Tourette's are we witnessing a rise in functional tick-like behavior driven by adolescent social media use? That's the name of the research paper. So functional tick-like behavior, it's not necessarily Tourette's, the best I can tell from the article, it's not necessarily Tourette's syndrome. Tourette's syndrome is when a person has an uncontrollable uh, tick or, you know, kind of they, they do something like this or maybe they, they speak something out loud and they can't necessarily control it. Uh, there is the Tourette's syndrome, then there's the FTLB, that's functional tick-like behavior. Uh, the research paper mentions, while there are many factors that have likely contributed to the increase in this FTLB, and so FTLB is not the same, it's kind of mimicking Tourette's syndrome. It says, while we've seen this increase in FTLB, seen during the pan pandemic, like I said, this was from a year, couple years ago, this, art, this research paper, there is no question that social media is one of, the, one of the factors given to the rapid rise across geographic and cultural borders and striking similarities between ticks on social media and the FTLB seen in clinics. So just watching and seeing these things, children, young people in particular, are being influenced in a very direct way. And those with FTLB can't, they don't, they don't want to have it. They're going into the clinic because it's a problem. Yet they've watched video after video after video after video of this and has influenced their very actions that they're having trouble overcoming and stopping. We are inadvertently influenced by the things that we see and watch. 
And you know, who knows the level of demonic involvement in some of these things? Regarding some of the more harmful ones, let's turn to Proverbs 22. Proverbs chapter 22. Regarding some of the more harmful ones, that we, the trends and challenges we mentioned. Proverbs 22 and verse 3. A prudent man, and as a part of God's church, having God's Holy Spirit working with us, that's, that's where we should be. A prudent man foresees evil, can see ahead that this is not a good thing. This is something that's going to lead to, to nothing good. A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. And I think the NIV version, or one of the versions, I didn't uh, capture it exactly, but it says, uh, the simple pass on and suffer the consequences. Regarding the less harmful ones, let's turn to 1 Corinthians 6. There are less harmful ones, and they can, you know, they, they sound fun, and, and they're, I'm sure they're fun. And they don't cause you harm directly, and they don't cause other people harm directly. But 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 12. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 12. It says, all things are lawful for me. I can do, there's a whole host of things that we can do that isn't against the law of God. It's not breaking the law of God. And there's a whole host, uh, there's a whole area of life that we can live in that isn't necessarily breaking God's laws. But, verse, continuing in verse 12, all things are not helpful. Just because it's okay, just because it's harmless, doesn't necessarily mean that it's helpful doesn't necessarily mean it's something that we should invest our time in, that we should follow along with. Because we are influenced by the things we see and the people we spend time with and the actions we take. All things are lawful for me, continuing on, but I will not be, under, I will not be brought under the power of any. Paul said, I can do some of these things, but I'm not going to be controlled in this way. In other words, even if it's harmless, is it necessary? Is it helpful? These things, again, they're not help, they're done to help others. The reason we see these on the social media apps, and again, I, like I mentioned, talking to much of those under 18, but it is good for parents and grandparents to be aware of these things. Most of those things are done simply to get views, to get views and to get likes. There's no benefit, there's no help in any of it. It's a part of the group think mentality. Everybody else is doing it. They are called trends for a reason. <laughs> That's because they have risen in popularity and a host of people are doing them. It's just following the crowd. This thinking is the type of thinking that leads to confusion of right and wrong when you really need to know. Because instead of making a decision about what I should or shouldn't do, regardless of it's whether or not it's directly disobeying God's law. Again, we're, th we're talking about everything we're talking about in, in regard to this right now, in the harmless ones, is within God's law. The question is, does it help, does it edify, does it build up, and can I make that decision myself to, to do that or to not do that? And to not follow along. There's often pressure from friends to do the things. Don't worry about it. Who cares if somebody else wants you to do something that's unhelpful? What's the driving force behind the challenge or trend? Are they all bad? They're not all bad. What does it add to your character? Might be a question. What does it add to your spiritual character? 
If it does, you know, read as many books as you can in, in the month, yeah, maybe that's okay. There's a, a real benefit that might come out of it. Maybe there's some things that could fall in that area. But again, we don't need to be driven by society's fads. So the first concern that we've discussed uh, is social media trends and challenges. The second concern that we'll discuss is online predators. Online predators. Certainly we are aware of those uh, who are ready to take our money. Uh, for example, I'm working with a Nigerian prince right now uh, who... <laughs> no. No. We've all heard of the Nigerian prince uh, schemes. You, they're going to send you millions of dollars. You just need to send them your banking information first. Uh, but again, we're going to highlight, um, highlight some predators that uh, affect those 18, uh, again, in, in the younger crowd, 18 and under. It is extremely prevalent, though you wouldn't know that it's as prevalent as it is. So from a website uh, called Screen and Reveal, uh, in an effort to uh, reduce online predators and, and just giving some statistics about online predators. As many as 500, and some of this comes from the FBI and so forth, as many as 500,000 predators are on, on the internet pose a threat to kids daily. One in five, I'm sorry, one in 25 children who use technology are manipulated into physical contact each year. One in 25. One in five children have reported being solicited or contacted by a predator in the last year. Okay, so that one in five. Uh, I can't stress that enough. This means that it is real and it is happening now. Children aged 7 to 12 to 15, the NIH, National Health Institute of Health, says 13 to 17 are at the greatest risk. 82% of predators on the internet are male. Only 15%, just another statistic here, only 15% of parents are aware of what their kids do online. Receiving inappropriate images from children is the most common goal of web predators. Social media, direct messaging, and chat rooms is where close to 90% of these children, uh, where these child exploitation crimes begin. Someone you don't know personally in the real world asks to DM you, that is direct message you, red flags should go up in your head. Now, this is from uh, the Bue Biden Foundation. Um, this is a, an effort, a foundation that was uh, started to prevent child abuse. I'm going to read, it's, it's quite lengthy, but I'm going to read and it, uh, help, to help highlight how this progresses, because it's important to understand how it starts. A predator targets a child in, uh, in a public chat, on a social media platform, or in an online game. The predator may comment on the social media post or send a direct message to the child to gain trust Predators will typically lie about their age. Uh, from McAfee, that is the web uh, virus protection um, company, McAfee highlights a, a point here. They, they often pose uh, as a peer, use fake photos, and create fake profiles that lure minors to chat. Predators build trust with children through devious tactics such as grooming, mirroring, and phishing. 
uh, continuing on with this um, foundation report. It says, predators then take the conversation further by asking more private questions, often in a different, more secretive app to test the child's boundaries. Questions turn more personal as they ask about their relationships, the, the, ask about other relationships the child has with parents, with friends, teachers, and other adults. Predators use this information to build walls all this time. Again, the child, the young person, thinking that it's someone their age or just a little bit older. Oftentimes, again, they'll, they'll pose as just a little bit older. Predators use this information to build walls between the child and peers or their parents and, and other adults in order to further isolate them. And again, just for clarity, this is the pattern. This is how it works. It doesn't work quite a different way. It's a pattern that has happened over and over and over and over, and it works. And that's why predators use this pattern. Conversations start innocently enough, and a predator may, be, may offer small tokens of appreciation, praise, or a willingness to listen at any hour. What a special friend. As, they, as the connection develops over time, the predator will offer the, the child small gifts. In the case of online gaming, they may offer the resources or currency used in the game. Perhaps it's a gift card or something seemingly innocent the child may not be able to purchase themselves. Again, this is not what normal people do. This is what predators do. This is what older men uh, sitting in their basement on their laptop do. Continuing, how it progresses. The goal of the predator to, is to establish a secret or special relationship with the child, a relationship the child protects. Once boundaries are tested, the bond is strengthened and the child protects the predator instead of themselves. The predator then begins, begins to slowly uh, turn the conversation to subjects that are entirely inappropriate. They are consistent and intentional in an effort to push the bounds of the child. They will generally ask for inappropriate images from the child, Again, moving as fast or as slow as they need to to get what they want. Once a child shares the images or videos, the predator now has a form of control over the child. The predator threatens to share the images with, other, with parents, friends, or on social media in order to uh, either force the child to provide more images or require payment. This is a form of extortion, and it is illegal. The key here, continuing in this article, uh, this report, the key here is power and control. Online predators seek to exert control over their victims from monopolizing the child's time to shaming the child into providing explicit images. The predator moves the relationship from emotionally dependent to emotionally controlling and abusive. That is the progression, and it is not a small thing. One in five have been touched by this, and one in 25 have gone as far as meeting up with the individual, and it is a persistent, intentional, purposeful effort on the part of these predators every single day. They are playing in the games they are, in the, they are in the environment where they're going to find children 12 to 18 years old. And they look like a child 12 to 18 years old. Let's turn to 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5. And we'll, we'll verse 8. First Peter 5, verse 8. It says, be sober or be self-controlled. Be vigilant or be watchful. Watchful of our own, uh, you know, the things that we do. Because your adversary, the devil. Now, I just before we get there, just be aware, be on guard. 
It's a good idea to avoid those who seek you out online. Do not develop a relationship or worry about responding to anyone online. And if a person online begins to even ask you to do anything that you know you shouldn't, I, I wrote in my notes, ghost them. That means drop them off and never turn back. Get away. Run. There's no need to answer back ever. Drop them completely from your life. Don't reason with them. They are likely, again, posing as, as this person you think you're talking to, and you will never get the truth out of them. Continuing in the, the verse, uh, verse 8 here. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And this is the very character or characteristic that they're, that they're using, that they're implementing in their own life. And they've been given over to it. If you've found yourself caught in this trap, let your parents know, and they will help you get out of the trap. So our second concern to watch for is online predators. The third concern, and again, this one uh, does apply more directly, I think, to all of us, and does bleed into those first two. The third concern is the addictive nature of smartphones and the associated apps. Again, this uh, concerns uh, uh, most of us. If you use a smartphone or, or uh, you just can't avoid the addictive nature. So they are designed to be addictive. I'll read from uh, continuing in a couple of the articles that I read from earlier. Uh, one, the Guardian article here about them being designed to be addictive. This is from Sean Parker. Sean Parker explained that when Facebook was being developed, the object was to consume as much of your time and conscious attention as possible. This was the mindset that led to the, crea to the creation of features such as the like button. So the like button wasn't created for you to say, hey, you know, as a nice little feature for you to be able to say, hey, I like your picture, and hey, I like your picture for the good of and the benefit of the community. That's not why it was created. One of the, the, the founders here says, no, it was the mindset, the mindset of consuming as much time and conscious attention as possible the reason we created the like button was to give users that do, a little dopamine hit to encourage them to upload more content. It's a social, he continues, it's a social validation feedback loop. Exactly the kind of thing a hacker like myself would come up with. Because you're exploiting a vulnerability in human psychology. In an uh, article on a website about user experience, why the infinite scroll is so addictive. Again, uh, highlighting about the, how it's developed and built to be addictive. In this article, it says, they are designed to keep our eyes on our screens because the more time and attention we give to these platforms, the more profit companies behind them generate through advertising. So developers intentionally create features to be addictive such as likes, we just read about that, notifications, the infinite scroll, that is, you know, you're, you're on YouTube or you're on some uh, platform and you can just keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and it never, ever, ever stops. Even when you say, oh, I don't need to do this anymore. I don't need this. I need to stop. I need to stop. The refresh option, even when you know there's nothing to be refreshed. The pull down, that, and with the little thing at the top, that is to give you a little hit of dopamine. It's the reason it was built. Not to help, not for any benefit, except to keep you on that thing. All, all this uh, 
that all keep coming to, uh, that's why we all keep coming back to our apps, the article continued. It's from an NBC article about why mobile games are so addicting. Well, I don't use social media. Do we use games? And I'm not, again, I'm not saying we need to cut. We'll, we'll talk about some of the things we can do toward the end of the, the sermon. I'm not saying we need to cut every single thing out of our life here at all. Uh, but uh, we'll highlight some of the things we can do. Why mobile games are so addicting, NBC article. With addictive mobile games, our perception of time changes. Uh, the article uh, goes on. It says, this, this escapism element, this escapism element factors into what makes mobile games so addictive. Any gamification platform is explicitly designed to make you want to not put it down and is designed to stimulate the reward path in your brain which can suppress your perception of time. Uh, Dr. Chandler, an assistant professor of psychology at Birmingham South, uh, Southern College, tells NBC News, um, uh, the NBC News better. Uh, quote, your brain stops keeping track of time and instead measures units of pleasure in the game. The next level becomes your marker of the passage of time. This is why you lose an hour or three without feeling it. So you're not paying attention to time. Rather, it's, it's fighting on this, uh, this level, it's, it's playing this level and trying to beat this level, and when I pass that level, then that's the point at which I'll uh, make a decision to do something else. Then I'll spend more time on the next one, and that is how your brain begins to think about the passage of time. Continuing in the same article, article a sub, uh, subheading here, those bright colors and hypnotic sounds are no accident. Also inviting, continue uh, the article uh, under the subheading, also inviting are the game's colors and sounds. The bright colors that we see in mobile games beg for our attention and tap into primal recognition of alarm. Mobile games like Candy Crush are particularly addictive because everything shuffles and changes when you level up. So, you, uh, have any, so if you have any competitive nature, you can feel successful. So you've played the game, you've beat the level, and there is a feeling of success. The mobile gaming industry knows that. So they take highly engaging colors and sounds and create a classical conditioning loop that increases the dopamine rewards push. And guess what? The more time we spend on there, the more money they make, whether we pay for the app or whether there are ads on the app. The idea behind the features. Again, uh, quoting from uh, Facebook's Vice President of User Growth, he highlighted something most of us know but few really appreciate. Smartphones and social media platforms they support are turning us into bona fide addicts. While it's easy to dismiss this claim as hyperbole, platforms like Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, and TikTok leverage the very same neural circuitry used by slot machines and cocaine to keep us using their products as much as possible. Another article, The Addictiveness of Social Media. Once the brain experiences these rushes of dopamine and pleasure, the high from, the social, media, uh, from social media becomes harder and harder for anyone to resist, creating patterns of addictive behavior. Doctor of, Director of Behavioral Health, Nancy DeAngelis, uh, says social media platforms drive surges of dopamine to the brain to keep consumers coming back over and over again. The shares, likes, and comments on these platforms trigger the brain's reward center, uh, resulting in a high similar to the one people get by gambling or using drugs. Now, highlighting some of the symptoms of the addictiveness, symptoms and effects of that addictiveness. 
This is from the mobile phone provider, Verizon. Uh, they've hi they highlight several um, characteristics of or symptoms of mobile phone addiction. One is uh, you get a feeling of anxiety when your phone isn't in reach or you don't have cell service. Your phone interferes with your daily activities, chores, and tasks. Your smartphone usage has ruined your vacation with family and spoiled social events with friends. You've experienced injuries or harmful effects due to cell phone usage, such as neck pain or eye strain. You lose a sense of time due to cell phone distractions. You feel withdrawn from the physical world, distancing yourself from friends, family, and activities you used to enjoy. Smartphone usage has put an important relationship uh, or your professional career in, jeopard in jeopardy. And you've uh, tried to limit your uh, cell phone usage but haven't succeeded. The, some of the effects that come from mobile phone or smartphone addiction. One is mental health issues. Studies prove that excessive mobile phone usage uh, can lead to anxiety and depression. Adolescents who were addicted to their smartphones were more likely to experience chronic stress and low emotional stability. It could cause poor sleep. Scrolling on your phone right before bedtime may cause you to experience restless sleep. Researchers at Ohio State University studied college students who used their phones an average of 46 minutes per night and established the relationship between their mobile phone usage and sleep quality. This usage caused insomnia and may have also contributed to fewer sleeping hours. Of course, it does if it causes insomnia. The inability to fall asleep and low-quality sleep. Uh, increased risks, uh, a risk of car accidents. Cell phone users uh, who are addicted to their devices are more likely to use them while driving because it's difficult to make the decision to not do it. Increasing the risk of being involved in a car accident. Poor school performance. If you're, again, these are the, some of the effects of um, uh, smartphone addiction. If your uh, children use smartphones in class, they'll find it hard to focus on learning. That makes sense. Poor work performance. It can lead to and damaged relationships, including uh, intimacy, reduced intimacy. And I'll highlight some uh, psychological and then physiological effects. So some of this we may have uh, highlighted, but uh, a lot of this is um, just bullet points here that come from uh, website health.com. Psychological effects include alcohol use disorder, all from smartphone addiction, or addiction to the apps and addiction to the games and addiction to those things. Anxiety, including generalized and social anxiety. Attention deficit or hyperactive deficit disorder. Um, <clears throat> depression or depressed mood, impulsivity, uh, low mental and psychological well-being, low self-esteem. Do any of us deal with any of these things here at all? I'm not saying it is definitely caused by, uh, by this, but it certainly would be something to consider. Uh, Obsessive-compulsive disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, body dysmorphia. Body dysmorphia is when you're very dissatisfied with your own body. And most of the time, in this case, it's talking about that is driven by having been on social media apps. And you see these other, oftentimes this happens to young ladies, to women. And you see these other beautiful young ladies and, oh, their life is so great. And, oh, look at me and I'm not like them. And, and then getting dissatisfied with your own body. And can lead to shyness. Some uh, the last item here was shyness, and then some physiological effects. That means things that f affect you physically. As a result, again, uh, decreased sleep and sleep quality, eye problems, uh, headaches and migraines, 
neck pains, and again, problems uh, falling to sleep in general. So here's, here are some questions that uh, is a, really, it's a self-assessment. Where do I stand regarding these questions? Well, don't think about where I stand regarding these questions. <laughs> we could each think about where we individually stand regarding these questions. Do you find yourself spending more time on your smartphone than you realize? Do you find yourself mindlessly passing time on a regular basis by staring at your smartphone even though there, are, there might be better and more productive things you could be doing? Do you seem to lose track of time when you're on your phone? Do you find yourself spending more time texting, tweeting, and emailing as opposed to talking at real time, uh, in real time with real people? Has the amount of time you spend on your cell phone been increasing? Do you secretly wish you could be a little less wired or connected to your phone? Do you sleep with your smartphone under your pillow? I don't know anyone who does that. Don't say if you do. <laughs> or next to your bed regularly? Do you find yourself viewing and answering texts, tweets, and emails all hours of the day and night, even when it means interrupting other things you're doing? Do you text, email, tweet, or surf the internet while driving or doing other similar activities that require focused attention and concentration? Do you feel your use of cell phone... Uh, your, your cell phone use actually de decreases your productivity at times? Do you feel reluctant to be without your smartphone, even for a short period of time? You leave, and you're, you're, uh, here's the next uh, question to ask yourself. When you leave the house, are you always, uh, you always have your smartphone with you and feel ill at ease or uncomfortable when you accidentally leave your phone in the car or at home? or you have no service, or if it's broken. When you eat meals, is your cell phone always a part of the table place setting? When your phone rings, beeps, buzzes, do you feel an intense urge to check for the text, tweets, emails, or updates? And the last question here is, do you find yourself mindlessly checking your phone many times a day, even when you know there's likely nothing new or important to see. Appreciated the, the sermonette, and, you know, just as, as he was giving it, I was thinking, you know, the parable about the ten virgins, um, the time that the cell phone, that, the, that the, our phone and our apps and so forth take away from us, is time otherwise that could be used for uh, putting oil in our lamps. So what can we do about all of this? What can we do about this? Let's turn to Proverbs 25. Proverbs 25. And we'll go to verse 16. Proverbs 25 and verse 16. Again, I mentioned that, you know, the cell phones, the, the apps, and so forth, they're not evil of and by themselves. It doesn't mean we can't use social media. It doesn't mean we can't use our phones. It doesn't mean we can't play a game. The, the question is, it's like, it's like, it's like alcohol. You know, alcohol in moderation is good. Alcohol in moderation is just fine. But alcohol overdone is a real, real problem. Proverbs 25, verse 16. Have you found honey? Something good, something sweet, it works well, does, does things I need it to do, it's great. It's great, it's fantastic. Only eat as much as you need, lest you be filled with it and vomit. 
It really is good until it's just too much. And discerning what's too much. Let's go to Proverbs 23. Again, here's a principle. It's not talking about cell phones here in Proverbs 23. Verse, we'll start in verse 26. My son, give, ear, uh, give me your heart. Let your eyes observe my ways. Proverbs 23 and verse 6. Uh, sorry, 26. I don't know what I said, but 26. Let your eyes observe my ways. For a harlot is a deep pit, and a seductress is a narrow well, something you get stuck in, you can't get out of. It's really difficult to get out of. She also lies in wait as for a victim and increases the unfaithful among men. Again, this is not talking about cell phones, but there's a principle here. And that is staying away from the things we just don't need to be near. Verse 29, who has woe, who has sorrow, who has contentions, who has complaints, who has wounds without cause, don't know why, where they came from, what, what happened, who has redness of eyes, those lingering long at the wine. Again, alcohol, not a problem by itself. It's when it's too much. Those who go in search of mixed wine, looking for it, searching it out, spending time with it. Do not look at the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. At the last, it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. And that's the thing. These things are deceptive. The three areas we went through today, it's deceptiveness at an extreme level. It's meant to deceive us. And if we're not aware, then we can easily fall for it. Continuing verse 33, your eyes will see strange things. Your heart will utter perverse things. Yes, you will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea or like one who lies in the top of the mast saying, they have struck me, but I was not hurt. They have beaten me, but I did not feel it. When shall I awake that I may seek another drink? It's that coming back, even when it hurts, coming back, even when we know it's not good for us, that is addiction. But being aware can help us to avoid those things. Let's go to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5. And verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. You know, we, we don't have much time left before Christ returns. It's time to put the oil in our lamps with God's, you know, of course, God's guidance and help. And that is his Holy Spirit, grow in his, his spirit. Not time to, be, to have time sucked away from us that leads to ultimately to nothing. Verse 17, Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what is the will of the Lord. And do not be drunk with wine, which is in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So, again, what, what can we do about this and not get caught up in it? I'll read from Mr. Weston's article, Tame the Social Media Monster. He, he writes, the first step is to open your eyes to the reality of the problem. Yes, everyone wants to keep, with, uh, keep up with children, grandchildren, parents, aunts, uncles, and so forth, 
We enjoy seeing pictures and reading what happened to them last week. But as with television before, social media, uh, we must control its use. We must remember that it was specifically created to consume as much of your time and conscious attention as possible, quoting from the Guardian article I read earlier. Mr. Weston continues, once you realize there is a problem, you must be willing to admit that maybe, just maybe, you have fallen for the trap. Only then can you take control of the problem. Once you admit this, you have to take action. Make rules for yourself and your family to tame the monster. Here are some of the suggestions that, that he makes. Mealtime should be time out from social media and devices. Put them away. Set limits for each day and stick with them, the time that you spend on these things. Keep a log of every minute you spend on social media. Never text or check your social media accounts when visiting with others. It's rude. Never, never text or use mobile devices while driving. Call timeout uh, one day a week. Call timeout when uh, fishing or playing golf or enjoying some other recreational activity. Uh, following are some suggestions from uh, various sources, health.com, Verizon, uh, the Verizon website, and other sources again. One is to set a goal. Decide uh, on a specific goal, uh, such as reducing your, the usage of your device or social media or games uh, by a certain percentage and only using it for a certain amount of time each day. Having a clear goal can help you stay motivated and focused. Uh, identify triggers. Determine what triggers, you, uh, what triggers you to use social media excessively. Uh, this could be boredom, stress, or desire for validation. Once you know your triggers, you can come up with alternative activities to do instead of scrolling through social media. Uh, remove social media apps from your phone or, or games and so forth. If you have uh, apps that are easily accessible on your phone, it can be tempting to check for them. You know, one of the best ways to stop smoking cigarettes is to not keep a pack in the drawer just in case. If you want to stop and take control of it, and you know you don't need it, and, and you know you have a struggling problem with it, one of the best ways is to just delete them. Get rid of them. You will not miss it. It won't be missed at all. Reduce or completely remove all notifications. Uh, you can turn them off in your app settings. Just stop notifications. Those are distractions. They come up. They, 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 they trigger those feelings in need, of need to look at that. Remove your phone from your bedroom at night. And train yourself to not spend time on it before you go to bed or when you first wake up. Use a website blocker. Install a website blocker uh, on your computer uh, to limit the amount of time you spend. Uh, replace, find a replacement activity, you know, exercising, reading, spending time outdoors, and so forth, and set boundaries. If you can't completely give up social media, set boundaries around your use. And you know, these are kind of hedges around uh, using these things in, in a wrong way. But really, it needs to be from here. <laughs> I think we know that. It needs to be from here to make those changes. So we've examined three areas to be aware of regarding social media, gaming, and smartphone use. Awareness is one of the first steps in avoiding the trap and not being fooled. Oh, I don't think I gave the title of the message today. And that is, don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. If we move forward with the knowledge and understanding and take the actions we need to, 
With God's help, we can avoid unnecessary challenges and pitfalls so that, that, that so many fall into and that many of us have fallen into and are struggling with even now and avoid being like a sheep headed to the slaughter without knowing. We can prepare for God's kingdom. We can be there the way he wants us to be there. And he can allow us, he can use us as instruments if we avoid getting caught up in these addictive, these addictive characteristics that are troubling and they trouble us. And God can use us as instruments in his hands.